In reading into the accounts of Genesis 16, verses 1 through 15, we're going to do step one, no win situation. Let's pray. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change those things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. We admitted we were powerless, that our problems, that our lives had become unmanageable. Sometimes we are powerless because of our situation in life. We may be in a situation where other people have power over us. When we may feel that, that we are trapped by the demands of others and that there's no way to please them all. It's a double blind. It's a double bind. To please one is to disappoint another. Sometimes when we feel stuck and frustrated with our relationships, we look to a measure of control by escaping through our addictive behaviors. Hagar is a picture of powerlessness. She had no rights as a girl. She was a servant to Sarah and Abram. When they were upset because Sarah could not bear children, Hagar was given to Abram as a surrogate. When she did become pregnant, as they had wanted, Sarai was so jealous that she beat Hagar, and Hagar ran away. All alone out in the wilderness, she was met by an angel who gave her an amazing message. Return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, You are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord, he hears your cries of distress. Genesis 16:9-11. When we are caught in a no-win situation, it's tempting to run away through our addictive, compulsive escape hatches. At times like these, God is there and he is listening to our woes. We need to learn to express our pain to God instead of just trying to escape. He hears our cries and is willing to give us hope for the future. I'm Fernando. I am in recovery, and the way I deal with these things, I just keep thanking God and disconnect myself from them and uh, realize that they have a a God connection themselves, and they're responsible for their own spiritual growth, and I'm responsible for the training. I am receiving training from people around me, and then I'm checking my emotions that are, are wanting my will to be done on their lives. They may not want uh, what I want. They may not want to work as hard as we do. They may want to not want to listen. And we stubbornly uh, put our faith in wanting people to comply and to seek God and to, you know, some people don't want to, don't want to develop. Okay, All we can do is say that Psalm 23 for them and move on, get our rest, get excited about literature, God's word. And move forward in Jesus' mighty name. That's all we can do, folks. Get ready and ask God for instructions for the next day. What, what, why, where, and when am I to do on my task list, on my checkoff list? We're not going to call it a to-do list. We're not going to call it a task list this year. We're going to call it a check-off list. What are we going to check off from our... What are we going to check off on today's list? Okay. So, in addition to that, more on the uh, recovery Bible, it says, when Hagar could not help herself and, and recognize her powerless over her situation, she couldn't help herself. 
The angel of the Lord came and ministered to her until we recognize that our situation is hopeless without outside help. God waits and does not help us. But when we're ready to admit our need and cry out to him, he is ready to step in. And in my case, I got on my knees and I cried out. I said, Father, help me. Alcohol had me in his grips and it was trying to snuff me out like a lot of us. I cried to the father. The father answered me. And in my case, he had to get a two by four to keep getting my attention. He would not let go. I would go back to the club and theirs was a two by four, you know. I would get a fine or get uh, stupid situations or guns would come in and I'm out of here. I ran back to AA, you know, willingly and able to the safe haven where, where my prayer, where actually I wanted it to be. In chapter 17, verses 5 and 6, since Abram was childish, his name meaning exalted father, must have been a source of embarrassment to him. He, here it is changed to Abraham, which means father of many. Abraham's name, in a real sense, became his promise from God. It would have been a continual reminder and source of hope that God would come through for him in the end. Amen. And a continual reminder for me of God's promises is the uh, supply prayer. Lord, the promises are not here yet, but they will come if we, you and I, and everyone around us should have them. It will surely come. That's a that's a prayer of of courage. Courage. We're you know we're asking Father for His promises. He can handle it. Let's not be shy about it. God is a warrior, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. We're expressing our heartfelt situation when we need something, especially when we're working for Him and doing the things that He requires of us. One of the things He, he gives us and that we need is wisdom, talents, God skills, um, diligence, all these areas that takes a while to develop and, and to utilize them. We can know all we want to know, but if we don't utilize them, bring them into this world, that's what we're here for, to smile at people, high-five them, and tell them it's going to be the right way through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, uh, most of our significant relationships are symbolized by an outward sign. For example, married people wear rings as a sign of their marriage commitment. Circumcision was a sign of the agreement or covenant between God and Abraham. It was a mark by which Abraham's descendants were set apart as God's special people. Interchanges need to be accompanied by outer signs. Belief needs to be proven by actions. Beliefs need to be proven by actions. In a recovery, restoration, change of life, as change begins to take place inside, we need to express those changes outwardly in our actions and lifestyles. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening in today. Today's reading and one more commentary, commentary for the Recovery Bible. Please get your copy. The Recovery Bible in Hebrews, uh, verses 1 through 6. Let me read that. The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre, 
One day Abraham was sitting in the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, said they said, do as you have said. Do as you have said. That's the cowbell right there. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, Hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into dough, and make some bread. Then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to the servant, who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and the roasted meat, and he served it to them, to the men. As they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Amen. Where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. While she's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is so old? Note. Well, then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, Can, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this next year since Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. <laughs> that is one of the most beautiful passages we can have. The Lord eats a meal, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, presumably. I don't know. It could have been <clears throat> um, Enoch and the Lord. Who knows? But the point is, is that they enjoy <clears throat> meals. Okay, I always wondered why we give the Lord so much grains and offerings of wine and and, and barbecue cattle and beef and lamb and I don't know. It's kind of fun, you know. I don't know, but I thank God that I am obedient of what I do know. That God has established purpose for us, and one of them is to read His Word, and that's what we're doing, folks. We're reading His Word. Amen. So I want to. To go back right here where Sarah laughed silently to herself. Now, she laughed not for her. She never knew what bearing children was. Remember, she had never had any children. You know, she's 90 years old, so she doesn't know what it is the pain to have a child and the pleasure and the joy of holding a newborn child in your arms. But she knew what sex was all about. And that's what she said right here. Can I have sex one more time and have that pleasure? And then when my master husband is so old, can we get a delightful? That's what she was saying. That's the way it was humorous to her. In Jesus' mighty name. All right. Moving right along. For time's sake, we read that. Um, I did say I was going to try and read those passages again with other translations. But um, I think we've done a good job of going over here. And 
in these uh, passages of chapter 16, 17, and 18. We can stay here all year, folks, but we got the uh, the most profound uh, points on these stories, what I can see for right now, for the time being. Uh, the other thing is is the where the Lord saw Hagar out in the uh, you know running away, and she says, "Go back and submit to the authority of your mistress." Sarai. And and then he tells her, I'm going to bless you with your descendants are going to multiply. You know, to me, it's like I'm survival. I say she's she needs water. She needs food. She needs covering from the sun. She needs a community. And then the Lord tells her that it gives her a picture of imagination of what the future is going to be, that she's going to be a great, great grandma of many, many descendants. And, and lots and lots of love. So the Lord paints a picture of the future. And he does the same with us. He gives us provisions, dreams, visions, and we're to hang on to that. So much so is to spend a half an hour to an hour meditating on that vision. Or if you need physical fitness, meditate on you being the best you can be, not all both out, but the way God created a human being to be. See yourself walking down the street uh, with nice clothing, new clothing, and play that thing over and over again. Because you you deserve that to your imagination to take you there, to have faith for that. And and that means that you're reading your Bible. That means that you're you got your everything squared away. That means that you're not diseased. That means that you're not in, in mental fatigue. And you just see yourself and just play that over and over again. Hence, I just thought about Or if you've gotten an image from the Lord, like I've gotten very, a lot of images, you know, a business of uh, not a lot of them, just a few, and actually visions of me doing uh, works of charity. I always try to attempt them at my own feeble effort of sending resources in that direction towards the vision. I'm excited because, you know, we implement that and we put a little bit into it every month. And it gives us hope, faith, and future that we're in the right direction, heading the right place with the right circumstances and the right set of uh, resources in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, family. Give them heaven. I hope this was helpful and and instructive. Let's go ahead and and relax and let's surrender a little bit with a nice prayer. Let's go ahead and pray the Our Father. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We praise your name. We exalt you. Our Father, who art in the heavens, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be established here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Give them heaven, family. God bless you. I love you.
365 Bible reading for January the 7th, Genesis 16 to 18:15. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we welcome your presence, Lord. We ask you for your harmony, your love, your energy, your strength, your intuition, your Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask for your friendship. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to be our, our teacher, to be our glory, to magnify yourself in each and every word, Lord God. Distinguish your words from our words, Lord. Teach us in the way that we should go. Carry us, Lord, on your shoulder. And, Lord, you rejoice over us with dancing and, and great shouts of glory. And we thank you and we praise you and we do the same, Lord. We rejoice in the body of Christ. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for being our mighty fortress, our mighty God, everlasting. Father, thank you for bringing us to your Son, Jesus Christ, and choosing us. Lord, to be part of your army, the procession, the strong army, the body of Christ, Lord God. We are victorious in Christ Jesus. We love you and we praise you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Welcome, family. The Lord bless you and keep you and make you shine on you. You be a beam of light wherever you go. Even though if you don't know it, people are watching us. You're, we are beaming they're looking for answers, folks. Amen. Genesis 16, verse 1 says, Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abraham, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. Perhaps. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. Huh. So Sarai's, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened ten years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she became, began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. <laughs> I put my servant into your arms. But now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Abram replied, Look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar besides the spring of water in the wilderness along the road of Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Wow. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count on. And the angel also said, You are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fists against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all of his relatives. 
Therefore, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Bir Lahai Roi, which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you. From generation to generation, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever. I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continued responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. From generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and the foreign-born servant from whom you have purchased. All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. Then God said to Abraham, Regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. <laughs> how could I become a father at the age of a hundred, he thought. And how can Sarai have a baby when she is ninety years old? So Abraham said to God, May Ishmael live under your special blessings. Can you imagine that? But God replied, No, Sarai, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you have asked. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become the father of twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. 
but my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. When God had finished speaking, he left Abraham. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and every male in his household, including those born there and those he had bought. Then he circumcised them, cutting off their foreskin, just as God had told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and Ishmael, his son, was 13. Both Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised on the same day, along with all the other men and boys of the household, whether they were born there or bought as servants. All were circumcised with him. The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you honor your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh, before, refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, Hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it in dough, into dough, and bake some bread. So Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to his servant, who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and the roasted meat, and he served it to the men. As they ate... the God ate. Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Where is Sarai, your wife? The visitor asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarai, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, Can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, No, you did laugh. Commentary on Matthew chapter 6. I noticed that for a long time, I used to wonder in that passage where it used to say, Love thy Lord thy God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And I used to think, well, I tried loving my neighbor, and he took me for all I got. And, and then I took myself for all I got, for I didn't have any love or appreciation for self. Shouldn't that passage read like this? Love the Lord your God as he loves you and your strength, and then go and love your neighbor.
I would, you know, for years I would think that would be the right way if something happened. But just reading Matthew 6 kind of gave me a different light on the situation. I'm going to quote it uh, on verse 24 where it says, No one can serve two masters, for if you will hate one and love the other, you will be devoted to one and despite the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And to me, that's my job and my duty as compared to my time I spend with God. So, and then it says, and then, and you move up a scripture, it says, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. Okay. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. So there again, when I, I pray and I, I pray to the Father God, my eye will be good. And when I'm good, then I can love my neighbor, and then have enough to love myself. Okay, um, I hope you. I don't lose you here. Now, the point I'm making is, as we pray, you know, to the Father, where it says in verse, we give our gifts, give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Well, what's a gift? A prayer for an enemy, for someone else, is a gift we come to the Father. We're, we're focusing on the Father. We're praying to the Father. And then it says, He will reward us, but it's done in private. Uh, and then when you pray, go by yourself. Again, it says, shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Another translation says, openly. Amen. Don't be like other people, for your Father knows exactly what people need so what i'm saying here i prayed the psalm 23 for all my family and friends everyone that the holy spirit brought to my mind or anybody i'm working with right and then i said the father knows exactly what they need the lord is their shepherd they shall not want they should not be in 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 denial they should not be in gambling or whatever they're doing they should not want but they should be under the scrutiny and the love of the father the point I'm making here is that later on in Matthew, it says that our Father in heaven is, talks about pray like this. What the point I'm making is there's a qualification, folks, that we as a earthen vessel need to have our light, have our eye for the Lord before we begin. We cannot serve two masters, for we will hate one and love the other. You know, when our, our lamp that provides light for the body is full, when our eye is good, and how do we get our eye good? By disciplining our flesh and praying for our enemies. By disciplining our flesh and privately praying for others and not telling them, hey, I prayed for you. Uh, but, you know, it says privately, and our Father in heaven will reward us. And what's the reward? Well, we come over here and we say, here, now I qualify to enter into the kingdom of God, and I qualify to pray for the Our Father. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today, the people we pray for, everybody, the food we need, our necessities, and forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. We have prayed already for those who sin against us. So we're already prayer pre-prayed up when we're praying this covenant prayer. And don't let us yield to temptation. 
to the same uh, judging and complaining and criticizing and condemning, but rescue us from the evil one that brings those thoughts to us, that we, so in Jesus' name, amen. That's my little spill. I mean, it sounded a lot good when I was thinking about it on laying on my bed, but then he tried to voice it out. The primary purpose, folks, is for us to praise and worship the Lord with songs and worship and get our eyes unto the Lord and then go in secret and pray the Psalm 23 for our enemies, for our friends and family members and see if we can connect. And we pray by ourselves. We shut the door behind us and the Father who sees us in private on our knees praying then our Father will see, will reward us. And how does He reward us? Well, He rewards us with the, the Our Father, that He knows exactly what we need, and we pray, and we let Him deal, deal the, the rewards. Amen. And we can go further. We can also skip a meal or go into fasting. No one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private and your Father who sees everything will reward you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's what I got on Matthew 6. It's easy to do what's right when we're prayered up in this fashion, Psalm 23 for others. We gain praise and worship to God, the Father, when we see things happening, see, it's kind of fun. When we see God doing things in other people's, I said, well, we we put in some time in there, and we got our reward. We got our compensation. We don't have to tell that person anymore. We got compensated for that. How many people are doing that for us? The body of Christ is probably doing it for us, so we'll do it for the body of Christ. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray for others, for the body of Christ. The Lord is the shepherd of the body of Christ. They shall not want. The Lord makes them lie down in green pastures. The Lord leads them besides the still waters. He restores their souls. The Lord leads them in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yes, though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, they will fear no evil, for the Lord is right beside them. His rod and his staff, they comfort them. The Lord prepares the table before them in the presence of their enemies. The Lord anoints their heads with oil. Their cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy and loving kindness shall follow them all the days of their life, and they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. I love you, family. Thank you for listening to me. God bless you. Have a great day. Matthew chapter 6. Verses 1 through 24. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogue and street to call attention to their acts of charity. I, Jesus, tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need... Don't let your hand, left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't be like a hypocrite who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogue where everyone can see them. 
I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think prayers, their prayers are answered merely by repeating the words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Amen. If you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that, <clears throat> that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then, one of, then no one will notice that you're fasting, except your Father, who knows what you do in private. And your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Don't store up treasures on earth here, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there your desire for your heart will be also. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despite the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Commentary on Matthew chapter 6. I noticed that for a long time, I used to wonder in that passage where it used to say, Love thy Lord thy God with all your heart all your mind, all your soul, and, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And I used to think, well, I tried loving my neighbor, and he took me for all I got. And, and then I took myself for all I got, for I didn't have any love or appreciation for self. Shouldn't that passage read like this? Love the Lord your God as he loves you and your strength, and then go and love your neighbor. I would, you know, for years I would think that would be the right way if something happened. But just reading Matthew 6 kind of gave me a different light on the situation. I'm going to quote it uh, on verse 24 where it says, No one can serve two masters, for if you will hate one and love the other, you will be devoted to one and despite the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And to me, that's my job and my duty as compared to my time I spend with God.
So, and then it says, and then, and you move up the scripture, it says, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. Okay. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. So there again, when I, I pray and I, I pray to the Father God, my eye will be good. And when I'm good, then I can love my neighbor and then have enough to love myself. Okay, um, I hope you, I don't lose you here. Now, the point I'm making is, as we pray, you know, to the Father, where it says in verse, we give our gifts, give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Well, what's a gift? A prayer for an enemy, for someone else, is a gift we come to the Father. We're focusing on the Father, we're praying to the Father, and then it says, He will reward us, but it's done in private. And then when you pray, go by yourself. Again, it says, shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Another translation says, openly. Amen. Don't be like other people, for your Father knows exactly what people need. So what I'm saying here, I prayed the Psalm 23 for all my family and friends, everyone that the Holy Spirit brought to my mind or anybody I'm working with, right? And then I said, the Father knows exactly what they need. The Lord is their shepherd. They shall not want. They should not be in, in, in denial. They should not be in gambling or well, whatever they're doing. They should not want, but they should be under the scrutiny and the love of the Father. The point I'm making here is that later on in Matthew, it says that our Father in heaven is talks about pray like this. What the point I'm making is there's a qualification, folks, that we as a certain vessel need to have our light, have our eye for the Lord before we begin. We cannot serve two masters, for we will hate one and love the other. You know, when our our lamp that provides light for the body is full when our eye is good and how do we get our eye good by disciplining our flesh and praying for our enemies by disciplining our flesh and privately praying for others and not telling them hey i prayed for you uh you know it says privately and our father in heaven will reward us and what's the reward well we come over here and we say here, now I qualify to enter into the kingdom of God, and I qualify to pray for the Our Father. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today, the people we pray for, everybody, the food we need, our necessities, and forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. We have prayed already for those who sin against us. So we're already prayer pre-prayed up when we're praying this covenant prayer. And don't let us yield to temptation, to the same uh, judging and complaining and criticizing and condemning. But rescue us from the evil one that brings those thoughts to us. That we, so in Jesus' name. Amen. That's my little spill. I mean, it sounded a lot good when I was thinking about it on laying on my bed, but then he tried to voice it out. The primary purpose, folks, is for us to praise and worship the Lord with songs and worship 
and get our eyes unto the Lord, and then go in secret and pray the Psalm 23 for our enemies, for our friends and family members, and see if we can connect. And we pray by ourselves, we shut the door behind us, and the Father who sees us in private, on our knees, praying, then our Father will see, will reward us. And how does He reward us? Well, He rewards us with the Our Father, that He knows exactly what we need, and we pray, and we let Him deal, deal the, the rewards. Amen. And we can go further. We can also skip a meal or go into fasting. No one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private and your Father who sees everything will reward you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's what I got on Matthew 6. It's easy to do what's right when we're prayered up in this fashion, Psalm 23 for others. We we gain uh, praise and worship to God, the Father, when we see things happening, see, it's kind of fun. When we see God doing things in other people's, I said, well, we we put in some time in there, and we got our reward. We got our compensation. We don't have to tell that person anymore. We got compensated for that. How many people are doing that for us? The body of Christ is probably doing it for us, so we'll do it for the body of Christ. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray for others, for the body of Christ. The Lord is the shepherd of the body of Christ. They shall not want. The Lord makes them lie down in green pastures. The Lord leads them besides the still waters. He restores their souls. The Lord leads them in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yes, though, they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. They will fear no evil, for the Lord is right beside them. His rod and his staff, they comfort them. The Lord prepares the table before them in the presence of their enemies. The Lord anoints their heads with oil. Their cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy and loving kindness shall follow them all the days of their life, and they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. I love you, family. Thank you for listening to me. God bless you. Have a great day. Matthew. Chapter 6 in the Recovery Bible, verses 9 through 15, talks about forgiveness. Some of us become so focused on our personal failures in recovery that we don't deal with the pain we have suffered at the hands of others. Some of us, on the other hand, focus too much on the way we have been mistreated and use these as excuses for our behavior. Either approach to past abuse leaves us with emotional baggage that will hinder our progress in recovery. Forgiving others is an important part of turning our will over to God. Okay, let's go ahead and read that again. Some of us become so focused on our personal failures in recovery that we don't deal with the pain we have suffered at the hands of others. We don't deal with it. Some of us, on the other hand, focus too much on the ways we have been mistreated and use these as an excuse for our behavior, the majority of us. Either approach to pass, to pass about leaves us the past with emotional baggage that will hinder our progress in recovery in life and happiness. 
Forgiving others is an important part of turning our will over to God. We get a vacation when we heal and we get reward of love when we act, when we forgive. Amen. Jesus taught his disciples, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sins against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Being forgiven for the wrongs we have done to others does not excuse us from our actions or make our actions right. When we forgive others of the wrongs they have committed against us, we do not excuse what they have done. We simply recognize that we have been hurt unjustly and turn the matter over to God. This helps us to face the truth about our own pain. It also rids us of any excuse to continue our compulsive behavior because of what has been done to us. Amen. Beautiful, huh? We cannot experience God's blessed recovery without true humility. Pride often stands in the way of our dealing with painful problems and destructive dependencies. If we cannot admit our problems and sins, there can be no real cure for us. When we humble ourselves before God, we mourn and grieve over our mistakes and losses. As we do this, we will experience the wonderful comfort that only God can offer. When we humble ourselves before God, we can mourn and grieve over our mistakes and losses. As we do this, we will experience the wonderful comfort that only God can offer. So how do we grieve? How do we how do we work? How do we turn the soil over? How do we mourn? Okay, I wish they would expound more on that process. You know, when loss or hurts come, some of them may take 30 to 45 days to get them out, a period of mourning. You know, so... Uh, I told one guy, I said, cry and cry and make yourself cry till everything is out, all the hurts and disappointments and everything. When the feeling and emotions is something wants to go out, go out by yourself and cry and cry and cry. Emotions, emotions and feelings, mourning, regret, all that is is proper that we were hurt, not we're going to take vengeance or, or rehashing the backs. Notice how there's a difference between our hurt emotions and our grieving as opposed to someone done something wrong to us and justifying uh, a truth and that, and that thing. Is that us as, <laughs> isn't that amazing? Us as human beings get hurt a lot and we have to distinguish the two, you know, through. And before we can even approach honesty and fairness and so forth, um, we have to forgive their actions because they're humans and they make mistakes too. And we, we have to forgive ourselves. But not only that, but go through the process of grieving and, and letting go through, if you will, our hatred is locked up in our fat cells. In other words, so we have to heat them up and exercise them through mourning and crying and so forth and experiencing the, the, the hurts and then letting it go and then become, that's sane. That's being sane, folks. That's having truly good um, 
cleansing attitude through God's Word. Amen. Anger and lust are two dangerous pitfalls that threaten all of us in one way or another. Intense emotions and desires must be dealt with from the inside out. Those of us burning with rage and lust or some other addictive behavior generally think we can control it, but we eventually and inevitably lose control. Jesus shows us how the pattern of anger and lust are serious and far too powerful for us to control. We begin the path towards victory by admitting that we were powerless and looking for a powerful God for help. We're admitting we're hurt. We're admitting we have, that we have pain and try to bring the pain to the surface and tell God, you know, uh, I hurt. I'm sorry. I tried this and, you know, it didn't work. And uh, spend time mourning, folks, and get that, make sure that there's no unmourned situations lodging on the inside because they will not let us go forward. Our justice system in our eternal organs, they will not let us have that that job, that relationship, that things, if we haven't mourned properly and settled those things properly in our feelings. How do I know that, Fernando? Amen. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about Matthew and prayer. Well, we might as well include this. When we love our enemies, we can be sure that we are making progress in recovery through, the, through our prayers. Loving our enemies doesn't mean we have to like them, but it does mean we must forgive them and desire what is best for them. If we harbor anger and bitterness towards them, we don't have the light of life inside of us when we're harboring bitterness. No, we haven't exercised the uh, proper through intercession by focusing on God and praising Him, worship Him, and then praying for everyone we love, and then praying for all our enemies to Psalm 23, and then praying to our Father for ourselves, you know, for the reward, that we get the reward, we ask what we need. You know, if we keep resentments and anger and bitters and don't know how to get them out, I didn't know how to get them out, I didn't know how to mourn, they were stacking up in the mid-20s, and I didn't know how to get all the hurts, I tried everything, booze, more anger, bitterness, work, everything. Just the, the hurts would not come out unless I did it corporately through a 12-step program and relax. You know, through other people showing compassion through their talk about themselves. That's how I healed, through, through humor and laughter. We hurt only ourselves. Such emotions keeps us from making progress in recovery, progress in life and fun and opportunities. God loves us while we were still his enemies, okay? He loves us even though we are far from perfect. Recovery is not perfectionism. It is developing the ability to follow God and shape our decisions and actions according to his will for us, folks. It's probably to run through all the nonsense through our lives. Thank God for it. Experience it, experience it and move on. Now, public prayer is open to many distortions and abuses. Some individuals use majestic sounding churchy gargon that impresses people, but not God. Others think that the key to answer prayer is repetition, thus reducing it almost to a chant or mantra. But attitudes can er early miss the mark. 
because they assume prayer has more to do with technique than eternal attitudes. True heart-to-heart communications with God, whether private or public, is rewarded, and we have profound effect on our progress in recovery. True heart-to-heart communications with God, whether in a 12-step or in a setting, in a, in, a, in a prayer gathering or public, is rewarded, and you will have a profound effect on the progress in recovery. Amen. True forgiveness is an essential part of our recovery program. We often have difficulty getting past our anger and bitterness toward those who have mistreated us or abused us. However, asking God's forgiveness for our personal shortcomings and sins is hypocritical unless we are willing to forgive others. We forfeit forgiveness from God by denying forgiveness to others so that the detriment of our recovery program to the detriment of our recovery program. This is not only selfish, but also self-destructive. Amen. Now you know the importance of having the light within before anything. Keep our focus on, on God, on His light. Where was that verse? That the Lord, let's go over that verse. It says... Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. No one can serve two masters. No one can serve two lights. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money to keep in your eyes on the worldly things or your hurts or your disappointments or your offenses. You'll be a slave to those things. But when your eye is is like a lamp that provides light for your body, and how do we get up, up there? By storing up treasures of love and compassion and prayer for others. And how do we do that? We close the closet and pray the Psalm 23, pray for others in a way with compassion. The way it says in page 552 of the big book, pray for them for two weeks. You know, pray for their health, you know, for their prosperity and their happiness. And pray for them, for the other people. Now, We can ask our Heavenly Father to forgive us of our sins because we have forgiven the sins of others through prayer, right? We've done the action, okay? And then the Father will reward us. And now we claim the Our Father. And we claim our Father in heaven. May your name be kept holy. Now we have the light properly, right? So my proposal to you is that there's a qualification in coming to the Father in heaven and declaring his his prayer in his name. And that basically, folks, is dealing with our <clears throat> emotional hurts and offenses. And what I gathered is that God send us send me an offending person that can rattle my cage so I can learn this process. So when offending person or situation comes your way, knowing that God has a a curriculum, he has a procedure. 
that we're missing. You know, the, and that is if our eyes are focused on God or are they focused on uh, day in and day out work and other people. Seems real simple, folks. We'll keep studying on this area. May God bless you, and I thank you for listening to me. In Jesus' name, have a good day. Give them heaven, folks. Praying the Psalms. We pray for justice today as we read Psalm 7. We thank the Lord for the day when he will right every wrong. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, ahead of time, Lord God, that you're going to judge all the wicked and the nonsense and all the people and all these places. Lord, we thank you for your justice, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for delivering us from temptation, Lord, and keeping us from evil. Father, that you may judge that evil that's trying to make us tempt and saying the wrong things, Lord. Let our yeses be yes and our noes no. Anything more of this is of the adversity of the evil one, Lord. I mean, thank you for making us sharp, Lord. In your image, we pray that we may be perfect as thou art perfect in heaven, that we may be perfect in Jesus' name. Amen. Praying the Psalms, Psalm 7, a Psalm of David, which he sang to the Lord. I come to you for protection, O Lord, my God. Save me from my persecutors. Rescue me. If you don't, they will maul me like a lion, tear me to pieces with no one to rescue me. O Lord, my God, if I have done wrong or am guilty of injustice, if I have betrayed a friend or plundered my enemy without cause, then let my enemies capture me. Let them trample me into the ground and drag my honor into the dust. Arise, O Lord, in anger. Stand up against the fury of my enemies. Wake up, my God, and bring justice. Gather the nations before you. Rule over them from on high. The Lord judges the nations. Declare me righteous, O Lord, for I am innocent. O Most High, and the evil one of those who are wicked, and defend the righteous. For you look deep within the mind and heart, O righteous God. God is my shield, saving those whose hearts are true and right. God is an honest judge. He is angry with the wicked every day. If a person does not repent, God will sharpen his sword. He will bend and string his bow. He will prepare his deadly weapons and shoot his flaming arrows. The wicked conceive evil. They are pregnant with trouble and give birth to lies. They dig a deep pit to trap others, then fall into it themselves. The trouble they make for others backfires on them. The violence they plan falls on their own heads. The violence they plan falls on their own heads. I will thank the Lord, there it is, because he is just. I will sing praises to the name of the Lord Most High. There it is, folks. The, the King David presents... A problem. He asked God for protection. He asked him, don't let those lions maul me, tear me to pieces with their words, with no one to rescue me. Oh, Lord, my God, if I have done any wrong, if I'm guilty of justice, if I betrayed a friend or plundered my enemy without cause, you know, then let these enemies capture me. You know, it's the just thing. We're talking about justice here. 
But then he says, Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Stand up against the fury of my enemies. Wake up, my God, and bring justice. Gather the nations before you. Rule over them from on high. The Lord judges the nations. Declare me righteous, O Lord, for I am innocent, O Most High. Hallelujah. End the evil of those who are wicked and defend the righteous. For you look deep within the mind and heart, O righteous God. End the evil of those who are wicked and defend the righteous. Check this out. It says right here, For you look deep within the mind and heart, O righteous God. So if the Lord is looking inside us, what is in a stand right for us to judge our own selves before God enters the house, to clean up our own house. If the Lord looks deep within our mind and my heart, O righteous God, I'm going to go in there and do what? And do verse 17. I will thank the Lord because he is just. I will sing praises to the name of the Lord most high. I'm not going to feel self-pitying. I'm not going to be blaming. I'm not going to be Oh, they did this, they did that. I'm not going to be hurt. I'm not going to be angered. I'm going to clean up my house by God's instructions. He says to forgive as the Father has forgiven us, or he will not forgive us. And it says, if a person does not repent, God, it has an asterisk about God, he, I say he, will sharpen his sword. He will bend and string his bow. He will prepare his deadly weapons and shoot his flaming arrows. What does that look like in today's? Have you seen someone? Look, there's thousands and millions of examples of people that do not repent, right? And and do you see the? Do we see the outward manifestation of God sharpening his sword? And he bending his string bow. Have you have you seen that? He will prepare his deadly weapons. And shoot his flaming arrows. Amen. Now, just a thought there. The wicked conceive evil. They are pregnant with trouble and give birth to lies. They dig a deep pit to trap others. In other words, if they can get you uh, making trouble for others or make get you to, to gamble, get you to complain. If the wicked get you to... Uh, to go along with their schemes, and they're trapping you with, with um, I'll buy this, so you won't, they won't, they're not seeing you the way God sees you, and they, they want you to comply with them. Alcohol, it's cunning, baffling, and powerful to try to get us into a, the pit. The one thing about alcohol, when we both fall into the pit, you know, uh, violence the evil love the pit. The trouble they make for others backfires on them. The violence they plan falls on their own heads. Amen. Anyway, I'm laboring too much on that. The point I'm making is the solution. I will thank the Lord because he is just. Okay, I, I ask God to forgive me of everything I go into my house with a tambourine and I start praising the Lord 
and getting all the devils out of there, getting all the lazy people out of there, out of the house, clean up the house. I will sing praises to the name of the Lord Most High. Amen. All right. Proverbs 2, verse 1 through 5 says, My child, my son, my daughter, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ear to wisdom. Interesting, it says tune. And concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would do silver. Seek them like a hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. Amen. Isn't that amazing if we pray daily and seek God and we ask and cry out for understanding. God, I need more understanding. God, I turn my ears towards wisdom. Lord, let me be attentive and hear your commands. Lord, I treasure your commands. You do that day in and day out. And what are you going to get? You're searching it like you would silver. You're searching it like you're a hidden treasure. Come on, folks. Then you will hit a payload, and then we will understand what it means to fear the Lord. And you will gain knowledge of God. So what's the knowledge of God? We must fear Him, because He's the only one that can throw us into hell. Fearing, fearing the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the respect, the reverence. Knowledge of God is our truest wisdom, folks. Our truest, truest reward. 